Yes, sir, people, the time of the evening where you join us on uh, Legal Talk. And alhamdulillah, this evening uh, on Legal Talk, we have advocate uh, Muhammad Umar. And alhamdulillah, someone uh, that I've spoken many times on other platforms. And he's someone that, you know, he's a type of a person when you meet him for the first time. And instant, instantaneously, you just seem to, you know, connect with him. And he's someone that I embrace, I celebrate, and I'd like to welcome him onto the platform, the Marcus Sahaba, the voice of the Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah, with a hearty Salaamu Alaikum wa Rahmatullahi wa Barakatuh, Advocate Muhammad Umar. How are you doing this fine, a beautiful evening? Wa Alaikum Assalam wa Rahmatullahi wa Barakatuh. Always a pleasure listening and talking to you, listening and talking to the golden handshake, Brother Shafat Khan. You know, Alhamdulillah, I have no complaints and I hope both you and all listeners are well on this very auspicious time. Absolutely, it's auspicious time indeed. And, uh, you know, you talk about the golden handshake, you tickle my mind also. And, you know, we call uh, recall a uh, mutual friend uh, that we had, the late uh, Yusuf Didat, uh, Rahimullah, you know, uh, you know, advocate. Uh, when we think of him, you know, it's his untimely death and, uh, you know, been... Uh, uh, many say, uh, why hasn't it been uh, resolved after two years? And it's the same old story. You know, I think it was in January 2020 when uh, Yusuf made par- uh, Parda from this dunya. But, uh, you know, the cordial relationship uh, that you had with him and, you know, many, many top Arab guests he used to bring and not only uh, entertain them at his place, but he also brought them to your place. And, you know, I remember meeting quite a few of them. And uh, some of the memories, uh, uh, Muhammad that you can share of Amarhum and maybe his dad also on uh, Legal Talk. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a family radio station, and uh, these are personalities that have simply loved you. Uh, share, share some of those uh, moments you had with him, uh, Muhammad. You know, you know l- l- let's put it this way. You know, people will talk about uh, their, their religious activities and their social activities and so on. But what really inspired and impressed me with Sheikh Ahmad Didat and his son Yusuf was the manner in which they ran the IPCI at their peak. You know, there was no expense spared if they went out to do something. It was the best of the best. You know, I remember uh, when they were doing that uh, telecom shop downstairs, right? And, uh, you know, Brother Yusuf was showing me the invoices, and really I was still a student back then, and, you know, I mean, my mind was blown away. But look at, look at the end result, the impression it created on people, the impression it left on people's minds. And, and sadly, when it comes to uh, us, we, we somehow don't have that cutting edge when it comes to doing things like this. And really, that is what stuck in my mind about how Sheikh Didat and Yusuf ran the IPCI. Their standards were ultra high. Well, Yeah, I mean, I understand what you did. I mean, being his editor, and, you know, D-Dat wouldn't give anyone a title of an editor. You simply had to be the best. (laughs) But, you know. Exactly. And, and, you know, one of of the things that impressed me most was if you didn't have a mask hat as an employee, you are not allowed to enter the building. Simple as that. That was was the company policy. That's it. Finished. End of story. Yeah, if their label shows your intent, wear it. I don't know if you saw that. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. If you're not proud, if you're not proud to wear a hat, then you know. I, I mean, you you see so many fates, uh, different fates of the world, proudly donning their gear, right? So what is it to wear a hat? Doesn't take much. 
and you know, simple. And if you if you're working for an Islamic organization, then wear a hat. Full stop. Full stop, advocate. And uh, yeah, I hope you wear your. Just call me Mohammed, please. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Okay, Mohammed. You know, uh, we, uh, Thank beautiful you. name indeed. Yeah. Uh, you know, our advocate Muhammad Umar. I love him for that to people. And uh, we are very, very close and we have a very cordial relationship. And as he said, feel free. Okay, Muhammad, uh, let's start off our, our topic uh, this evening is uh, legally speaking uh, international politics. And, you know, the term conspiracy uh, communities is, um, you know, is belittled, uh, Muhammad, and not taken uh, seriously uh, or seriously by uh, main, uh, mainstream media, even though it speaks the truth. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? You know, conspiracy theorists, but uh, alternative media, when they give you the truth, uh, mainstream media, even world governments will say, oh, no, 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 no. That is conspiracy theories. Uh, your thoughts, you know, uh, Mohammed? You know, uh, when it comes to global politics, uh, it seems that might is right, you know, up to a point. Uh, if, if, we take, if we take the famous uh, Saddam Hussein story and Iraq, Right. Uh, everybody said Iraq's got, uh, the, or rather the Western world said Iraq has Western um, weapons of mass destruction. And after the loss of hundreds of thousands of Iraqi lives, they, they found nothing. Right. And, uh, you know, how, how, how do you explain that? So, so if, if, a, if a bee flies in somebody's bonnet, they go all out and hammer a third world country. And then they think nothing about it. You know, the famous Madeleine Albright said uh, when Iraqi children were, were dying because they couldn't get medicine, ah, it's a small price to pay. So what? Because it's not a Western life. And yet if the same thing happened in a Western country, what would the reaction be? So, you know, it, until, until it's proven, everybody will tell you, oh, it's a conspiracy theory, it's a conspiracy theory. And then when it's a fact, everybody keeps quiet. In a nutshell, that's exactly what, you know, I look at uh, conspiracy communities. And generally, as a person, you've got to have an open mind, listen to everybody, and uh, let the facts prove itself. That's, that's how I would, uh, you know, answer, answer a question like this. Now, Mohammed, do you recall when this, uh, you know, uh, America went into Afghanistan and, you know, even before that, uh, there was an inkling. Uh, they came to the IPCI, who they, they are the FBI's, they came there. And I remember at that time I, I was with the, the IPCI and uh, Yusuf did that, uh, to, uh, spoke, called the staff members in and he said, you know, who came in now? And they told me this and that. They actually asked the IPCI to change their name. You know, the, 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 the arcade was named uh, Bin Laden Center, you remember? Yes. Uh, he, right, yes. They had to change the name. Even, even I think the Shiraz building or what was also called. Yeah. It had Ali Brian Towers yeah, or so. You know why? I mean, and that was, you know what, exactly a year or two before, mm -hmm. you know, uh, I mean, a, a few years before the 9-11. The, the, the so they knew exactly yeah. what they were doing, uh, Muhammad. Yeah, look, as far as Western democracies are concerned, or so-called Western democracies, they have their own agenda, their own plan, and you've got to fit in. And if you don't, then you're an outcast and you'll pay a very heavy price, both politically and economically. You know, I think we're probably going to talk about it a little later, about uh, Ukraine as well. Uh, you know, it's the same scenario again. You know, and, and, and regardless of what happens to third world countries, to poorer countries, as long as it, it fits with certain politicians' agendas and ideas. Uh, you know, if, if, you, if you take the recent Hong Kong scenario, 
right? Where the where uh, the West is pestering China to yes. impose democracy on Hong Kong, right? My question is, what did the West do when they were running Hong Kong? Did they have democracy? Did they have freedom of speech? Did they have all the civil liberties? Yes or no? Now suddenly, when the indigenous people take over, now you want to give them a whole shopping list of human rights and democracies. And the same with other African countries and so on, right? Uh, you know, the British might say, oh, South Africa is not up to scratch today. You don't have this. You don't have this. So ask them a simple question. When you were running South Africa, did you give democracy to the local citizens? Did you give services to all citizens equally? Some people might tend to praise colonialism, but then or, 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 or praise the past. Uh, and, and here by the past, I mean pre-94. But then all those things meant it benefited who? served who? It was only for a certain group of people, a very tiny minority. And if, if you live close by or within that minority, you will always say life was better. And time and time again in politics, you go through the same scenario over and over again. Today it's Ukraine, uh, today it's Hong Kong, tomorrow it will be something else again, where you have certain people trying to impose certain ideas and ideologies on poorer or lesser advantaged countries. Mohammed, so you know... That, that's my take. Yeah, I, I, I enjoy what you say. And, you know, uh, the, the, the very fact that it was uh, the U.S. and the U.K. that uh, supported the apartheid regime, um, they gave it a full support all the time. They actually, actually and, you can, and you can include the apartheid state of Israel as well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Financially, politically, I mean, uh, you know, um, uh, Margaret Thatcher was actually dumbfounded when President Mandela was released. You know, I still remember her first reaction is the die is cast. The die as in, you know, your die cast toys and that. Yes. That now there's no turning back because she was taken totally by surprise when when the uh, uh, then president declared uh offered to release all political prisoners unconditionally. You know, it, it wasn't the narrative that the West was expecting. Yeah, you know, you so, talk, uh, Mohammed, you bring in Israel. You know, there was a very cordial relationship between uh, Israel and the apartheid government because, cordial. you know, all that... Uh, Forget cordial. Huh? With Israel, Israel and, and apartheid South Africa, uh, actually apartheid Israel, you must never say Israel, it's always apartheid Israel. And apartheid South Africa were thick as thieves in, in so many aspects. Uh, when it came to the nuclear programs, when it came to uh, uh, military, when it came to uh, what you call this, uh, sharing so-called technology in, in so many aspects. Yeah, I give you full marks so, for that. It was uh, well, your, 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 your good friend and our good friend, Ahmadi that, you know, when he had that yeah. uh, topic... Is Israel set up for destruction, and he brought in that you know, uh, American congressman. You remember Paul Finley, and uh, Paul Finley. How they? Okay. I, I want you to. I want you to tell the listeners. He had the famous how, book. They dared to speak out. Uh, uh, go for it, Mohammed. Tell them. Tell yeah. the listeners how they worked Paul Finley out. Tell them. You know, look. I, I wouldn't say how they worked Paul Finley, but let me explain to you. Give you a bit of background about how I came to know about apartheid Israel. You know, uh, I used to walk into Sheikh Hidat's office and obviously I didn't know what an important person he was. I thought, okay, here's this uncle giving speeches and talks and so on. And he told me once or twice, Mohammed, if you got time, come visit me. So I said, okay, fine, I'll rock up. 
you know. And here one day I'm sitting in his office and he's looking at me and then he pulls out his book, Arabs and Israel. And then he explains to me that, you know what I want you to do? I want you to tell your African friends at university that you see apartheid South Africa and apartheid Israel are identical. See how they're harassing the Palestinian children? That's exactly what they do to you guys in the township. And this was uh, pre-1990. And that was my introduction about the link between apartheid Israel and apartheid South Africa. So, and, and subsequently to that, you had the Paul Findlay where he was a congressman, but he suddenly changed sides and he was in flavor of the month and he was sidelined and taken out of the system, if, if I recall. And his famous book, They Dare to Speak Out. You know, Sheriff did that in his book, Arabs and Israel says, if you want to become American president tomorrow, all you've got to do, or one of the preconditions is you've got to be totally pro, pro-Zionist and pro-apartheid Israel. So if, and technically, when you reach that point, it's almost as if you're reading a script at a concert. There's very little of your own opinions that, will, that you will really reflect. So, you know, America as a country, they've got the best technology, they've got the best people, and they've got, uh, they, they, they're really way ahead of the game in terms of technology, and that's what's saving them. And, and as far as bankruptcy is concerned, yes, Financially, they, they're not in the best of health. But for as long as people are buying dollars, for as long as people think that the U.S. dollar is going to be the strongest currency, America will always be king, sad to say. And they probably have the best army in the world, which is what makes them really the most powerful. Well, that's, Mohammed, that's America. I'm going to add to you, yeah, because as a journalist, as a seasoned journalist, I do my homework. America mm-hmm. is... Congress is run by APAC, the American-Israeli Press Affairs Committee. The Zionist lobby decides who's the next president of the United States of America. Go to Israel. They have all the technologies that you have on your apps, that's in your phone. The latest surveillance on, you know, talk about spies, cyber, breaking (laughs) cyber codes. Who does that, Mohammed? Mohammed, no, no, I'm, 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 I'm adding to you. You're saying to be a politician. Yes. You know but, what but, you become. But just remember one thing with technology. No, no, I'm, I'm talking about. I, I want to finish off here, Mohammed. I'm talking about leadership. Okay. Your leaders. Yes. Your leaders, yeah. as you said, I will. Uh, your, your opinion. You have to change it. Look at what they did to Imran Khan. If you start, don't think like them, or you don't think in the box like them, and you start thinking out of the box, you are out, my man. They'll dump you yes, day and well, then, and they'll put you away. That, and that's, exactly that, that's that, politics, but, but as far as uh, Imran Khan is concerned, I won't write him off. Eh? He's smart. Do you, know, do you know his qualifications? He's, he, was, he studied in Oxford. Imran uh, and I, got what they, Imran and I are, what are, they call it. are on talking terms there, Mohammed. Imran and I. Is it? Very yeah. We will be very no, close. And, uh, what, what you call a PPE degree. That's a major in philosophy, politics, and economics. And back in the days, I don't know if you remember a company called Anglo-American in South Africa. Very well. Right. It was like the company. It was like the apple of South Africa, technically, back in those days. Right? And if you wanted to be a director of Anglo-American, the first thing they would have done was seen if you have a PPE degree from Oxford. Directors like Clem Santa. 
All right, I'm sure you've heard of Clem Santa, the guy who used to go around giving speeches and so on. Clem Santa, Mohammed, I want to give you a story about Clem Santa at the Durban, uh, right. you know, that at the Durban Club. Yeah. Yes. Your good friend Yusuf did that. He used to make mm. me take all the notes from Clem Santa. I used to meet who's who in Durban, <laughs> from our Absolutely. from from our brothers. I knew everyone, and I told Yusuf, yes. "This is not for me, brother. I'm not made for mm. who's who." I'm someone else in the zoo. So go, go ahead, uh, Mohammed. Well, well, basically, you know, as far as as far as Pakistan is concerned, it, it's literally a tragedy. You know, it's it's. Let me tell you again, Pakistan is not a poor country. There are many business people there that will probably buy off South Africa from their petty cash, right? But it, it's just that once again, resources are diverted, if I may say. You know. Pakistan technically is stuck between uh, India, between the Middle East, and uh, somehow geographically they're in a very, very good position, right? And and that's why China is really running with Pakistan in a major way. If you take the Belt and Road Initiative, Pakistan is one of the major uh, countries that they you know want to run with, to, you know, to expand their Belt and Road Initiative. Right, uh, or what they had called originally the Silk Road, uh, and and you, the road that's that's the the so-called road, and the belt is the coastal belt, where they want to link ports with China, so that China can spread its influence even more. And and Imran Khan as a politician, I won't write him off as yet. I I think wait till the next election. You know, the interesting thing with Pakistan is no politician or president has completed their full term of office. This is what I was told. So uh, what happened was normal. And I think I was just looking at uh, yesterday or today uh, on Al Jazeera that uh, Pakistan is now buying coal from Afghanistan because they're running out of electricity, which then comes back to your theory about water, electricity, and will include sanitation. Right. So uh, I think let's, let's wait for the next elections and let's see what happens to Imran Khan. Dil, dil. Uh, I wouldn't write him up so fast. Yeah, I say Dil Dil Imran Khan, a great captain indeed. I mean, look at what you've done for Pakistan. You know, uh, the tourism number one in the world, uh, of planting olive uh, plants. I mean, exports are record high and so forth. And here you know, we found on, on, on a personal level. If you look at Imran Khan, uh, you know, there's two sides. One is all his money he took and he built a cancer hospital. For his late, in memory of his late mom, that was one, right? Uh, and secondly, and more interestingly, was if you take his 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 marriage to his, his first marriage, he could have so easily become a British aristocrat and a coconut, and he would have probably been knighted today, Sir Imran Khan, right? He was the darling of the British society, absolute. Darling, and he had, you know, in in terms of, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of people would say, oh, leave South Africa, things are bad, things are getting worse. You know, go to one of these first world countries. Take a guy like Imran Khan, British education, right? Married a British person, right? Who, who was quite wealthy, you know, or, or or from a wealthy family, and all he had to do was toe the line, right? And he would have been a a top British person today, but no, he he, you know. Something, something pulled him back to Pakistan. I mean, you, you know, you, 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 you got a five-star life in, in the UK, and to give up all that to go back to Pakistan, supposedly back, 
it really takes a person and a personality to do that in life that's that's my summary of imran khan yeah absolutely and as you said hey, he didn't want the money even the judge that uh, was uh, you know uh, mediating in the in the divorce and he says yeah there's it you can take half the wealth and he said i want nothing i don't want a cent and that, that was imran exactly. khan allahu akbar absolutely yeah i mean uh, you uh, very yeah you know uh, that's why we look up to and he, you know he went for, for these uh, he says uh, three quarter of the parliament now in india i mean in in pakistan he says you only find thieves i mean the the guys that have co- uh, you know six, can six, i tell six, you g. There, there was that, that the famous can i tell you there was that one famous politician who 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 who, uh, who turned against him recently i can't get the guy's name for some reason but you know literally and 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 i say there's so many such politicians even in our own community that preach religion that uh, try to present this ultra holy image but are nothing more than a bunch of what can we say that 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 will sell their soul for 20 cents yeah you talking about the temple center they call him mr diesel yeah fazlul uh, rahman yeah he uh, the, the, right that guy yeah, yeah. that's the guy I mean, <laughs> you know for him i think you know i even for 10 cents he'll sell you down the river and and believe you me that type of person you will even find in durban as a politician take it from me <laughs> yeah it's sad indeed uh, mohammed as we move on i think uh, the issue of uh, ukraine is a burning one and uh, it is this a uh, ukraine issue uh, you know nato issue that is causing a lot of problems around the world the price of fuel you uh, we, you and i are paying 30 rand a liter soon 40 rand one guy told me don't be surprised if it goes to 100 rand a liter the price of f- uh, food being shot up and so forth and uh, look at the orchestration of how nato plays up and then we find our t- uh, turkey uh, uh, erdogan uh, we find that he's, he's he's part of the equation of nato he's like uh, the blue eyed boy of nato tell us mohammed what's going on what's yeah. happening in this uh, you know you know ukraine and uh, you, uh, ukraine is like literally one of the poorest of the poorest countries in europe right and believe you me nato wants nothing to do with ukraine prior to prior to this russian invasion right uh, you know and and then, let's go back back a bit in ukraine who who is the current president of ukraine a comedian absolutely a clown right now the president of russia is putin if you look at putin's history right he was a kgb operative right trained by the best climbed up the political ladder uh Z- Z- uh Zelensky was actually financed by a businessman in 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 Ukraine and he was a clown who who came famous almost like tomorrow if if someone tells us uh well, what's what's this guy uh, uh I'll, I'll get his name just now uh, our our comedian our South African comedian in America what's his name uh yeah I know uh, the colored guy yeah yeah absolutely right brilliant guy now imagine if he becomes the president tomorrow right that's exactly what happened in ukraine and and he got onto the platform of no we're going to join nato we're going to join nato and the question is why is nato sending any troops to fight uh, russia and and make no mistake putin is no fool huh? and and you know uh, another thing those of you that have the opportunity and the means 
make a trip to Russia, go and see Moscow, one of the most beautiful stations in the world. Their, their, their public transport, railways. I'll tell you, I don't think I've ever seen, look, China is good, but I don't think I've seen anything more exquisite than, uh, than Moscow's uh, railway system. You know, just to give you an idea, their stations in Moscow are literally bunkers where you've got an escalator. Those escalators have like three to four hundred stairs. Do the maths. Three to four hundred stairs. You walk in those stations, all the lights are working. No litter. Right? That's how Moscow is run. Now compare that to a country like Ukraine, where I would imagine everything is falling apart. And then they decide to become part of NATO. Fine, you want to be part of NATO. Putin made it very clear. Do anything you want, but don't join NATO. Right? I don't want... Uh, he, you know, his, his argument was very simple. That, look, I'm not sitting on America's border. I'm not sitting on Germany's border. Right? I don't want NATO in my backyard. Simple as that. But no. Uh, Zelensky came on the platform that we're going to be part of NATO. We're going to be part of... Uh, Probably the European Union, right? And the rest is history. And and tragically, then then came the sanctions part, and and that's taken your food costs, your uh, fuel costs, you know, out of kilter. Uh, today, Biden, uh, you know, the interesting thing was President Biden didn't want to have anything to do with the Saudi president or prime minister. Uh, what's it, King? King Salman. Right after MBA. the Khashoggi saga in Saudi Arabia, I'm not interested. And guess what? He's been begging to go and see uh, the Saudi king oh, to say, please give us more oil. We got a problem. Because in America, the, the oil price has hit the roof. In the UK, the oil price has hit the roof. And then the question is you know, sometimes in politics, you've got to ask yourself, is it really worth it? Was, was Ukraine joining NATO really worth it? And, and also, people tend to forget, but, you know, if you have any German product today, right, think of a German product, you probably got 30 to 40% Russian energy. I'm not saying that they can't earn it, right? But when you're a simple politician earning, what, 40 grand a month, 50 grand a month, and then you're driving an, an expensive Italian sports car, I mean, you, you do the maths. I don't know. I've, you know, I, I wasn't great in maths in school. So maybe that's a bit of a weakness for me, but definitely doesn't add up in my book. And, and, and then what do you do? The guy will say, sorry, you've got nothing against me. I mean, in Durban, we've got the famous case with the, with the former, former mayor of Durban, right? And, and all her sidekicks, right? Uh, I think the trial is going to come up anytime again now. Right? But, you know, all right. Also, what you must understand is what it takes to convict someone. Sometimes people say, oh, in this country, there's no law and order, right? That there's total chaos. But I challenge you, go to any magistrate's court on a Monday morning. Go and see the number of uh, people being arrested, facing trial. You go to any prison in this country. Let me tell you, it's filled to capacity, if not overflowing. And you don't just go and pick up a guy from the street and throw him in prison. There's a process, there's a procedure, and there's a very long story. So, you know, to, to, to the skeptics to, who think that, no, there's no law and order, right? Go, go to a prison. But then again, ask yourself, how many politicians are in jail for corruption? 
and and so and and by that token, is there no corruption there? Why is it rural areas have budgets running in millions, but yet you come there after 20 years, it's still the same? Okay, fine, they might have tarred the road and put a few street lights, but beyond that, nothing has changed. And South Africa, make no mistake, is not a poor country. Your taxes, if you take Itekwini alone, their, their municipal budget runs at about 54 billion rands. That's about 4 to 5 billion rands a month. Right? And yet, if you look at the flood damage, what? They can't fix it. I mean, all you need to do is take a tipper truck with some sand and go and dump it in a few places. Is that so difficult? They have, what, something like 27, 28,000 employees? What do they do? I mean, Toyota employs, I think, what, four or 5,000 people? You know they make about, uh, let's say, seven or 800 cars a day. Right? The municipality has, Itequini has 28,000 workers. Do you see 28,000 people going to work at Itequini? Hmm? I mean, if you count one building, how many people work here? How many people work there? It baffles me. You know, I would love to see one day Itequini calling all the employees to Moses Mabida or some massive stadium to say, like, come, let's count now. Let's see 28,000. I'd really love to see that. That will be another story. Yeah, so, Muhammad. You know, it's... it's Yes, sir. No, no, no. That, that's absolutely brilliant. And as you said, half the, of them are sick. Other half, are, you know, they're driving around with the vehicles. And a quarter of them are doing the job. And the, that quarter will do night shift, day shift, and this shift. And over time, and over time. And they'll do the same job ten times over. They'll fix it for a, a, a few days. And uh, next yeah. week, it's broken again. There is no... Can I tell you? I'm, I'm in this day and age, actually, very few officials fix things. It's all subcontractors. If you see the electricity department, they've got major dramas at the moment because they've they've done away. You know, back in the past, you would have seen those uh, bluish trucks, NDM trucks running around. Was it? Oh no, NDC trucks. I think, if I remember, right? Corporation trucks with the electricity. If if in your suburb. At uh, 8 o'clock at night, the lights went out. You'd have seen an NDC truck coming up with a few guys fixing it. Today, everything in, in majority of these departments are privatized. You have contractors doing it. And, and if you have a query, what do you do? Phone a call center. That's it. Sorry, we can't help you. Take a number. That's it. So, you know, in, in, in that regard, a lot, a lot more needs to be done. Yeah, they say, Mohammed, hold on. Yeah, we're giving you a reference number, and you got the reference number, and two days later, you still got the reference number, and then you call, call, you call your counselor, and it goes on, and so forth, and so forth. Let's move on, Mohammed, and uh, look at our, you know, our good friends, uh, the Britishers, who uh, were the fathers of apartheid, uh, the divide and rule policy. But we see that in uh, the UK, Boris Johnson had uh, more than 40 ministers and aides, including three ministers, quit the government. And it seems, uh, you know, all over the world uh, we have a compromised uh, leadership. How do we ensure that, uh, you know, rascals don't get into power? I mean, uh, there was a wise man who said, there'll come a time when the dregs of society will be in position of power. Your take? You know, the... The, the question in life is you will always get, let's say, rejects and offcuts coming into the system. It's, it's, it's inevitable. It's, it's democracy. It's part of life. You've got to accept it and, and, and move on. The question is when, when something goes wrong, how, how, what, what kicks in? 
and and you know you 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 can say here you give British democracy a little bit of credit, but obviously their their standards are much higher. Uh, you know, let's let's talk about this Boris Johnson story now. Very interesting, a very colourful, very controversial, and uh, you know, a, a bit of a bit of a I wouldn't say clown, but uh, Maverick. You know, he, Maverick. He, he had his antics and so on. And interestingly, his finance minister was a person of Indian ancestry. Uh, well, uh, then, you know, and and if you look at the, at the British government. I think the health minister, the guy called Javed or so, he was also uh, of Asian ancestry. Uh, the mayor of London is a person of Asian and, and particular Indian ancestry, right? And and all of these guys, you know, uh, are, are probably your next, your next, if you're, if not your next, within the next ten years, the prime minister of the UK is probably going to be a person of Indian ancestry. You know, and uh, I think Boris Johnson really tested the patience. Uh, he had two things against him during lockdown. He had a major booze party at his uh, uh, number ten Downing Street. For what reason, uh, I don't know. And uh, that was against him. But he always had had this knack of getting out of things. You know, swimming out of it. And uh, it's just that this particular one, I, I was a bit surprised. I mean, he appointed a minister who had a, a bit of a shady reputation. But, uh, you know, politics and, and, and being shady is, is, is part of the territory. So, uh, I, you know, it, it really seems strange. But this was like the, the ultimate. And, and really, because Boris Johnson had appointed this guy who was a bit controversial, right? That was the end of his career. So technically, he did nothing wrong. You know, uh, I'm, I'm talking of he didn't bribe, he didn't, uh, you know, start a war or go and fight with someone or do something. But just because he appointed a person whose reputation was not good, and that marked the end of his, uh, that was the beginning of his downfall. And, uh, you know, it, it's going to be interesting to see who uh, is going to be the successor. But uh, given British politics, it, it, it's more like a musical chairs. Uh, you know, one person comes, one person goes, but end of the day, the policies and so on will largely remain the same. Now, Mohammed, that's, that's basically. Yeah, you know, you, you, you talk about the policy, but uh, do you remember Coburn of uh, the uh, Labour Party and how vociferous uh, the Zionist brigade you know, were, were against exactly. him? Exactly. And then, you know, which, which, uh, then, which then brings you back to the Arab and Israel theory. And no, 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 no listen to this, uh, Mohammed. If you're not pro-apartheid Israel, you don't no. have a chance in Western policy. Yeah, no, no. Besides that, what about the Indian, Indian Brigade? You remember how vociferously they went for Coburn with the Zionists? And uh, you yeah. asked, That's why okay. so many Indians? There's payback time. He paid the Indians back. He gave them minister's position and so forth. Your thoughts, uh, Mohammed? Yeah. Look, that's, that, that's, that's politics. And, and all, but also in the bigger picture, you must understand... And, and, and this is where, you know, I would say my father had uh, initiated the idea that global power, both economically and politically, is shifting largely to the East, with China being a very, very significant uh, factor going forward. Uh, you know, in terms of purchasing power, in terms of production, in terms of uh, living standards, in terms of demand, China today is the world's engine. And if you switch China off, I would think you're going to end up switching the world, uh, world off. Just to give you an idea, if you take your famous Apple phone, 
right? Do you know who makes the Apple phone? China. Terms. Let me ask you a question. Sorry? China. Who makes... Well, forget China, but who makes the Apple phone? Well, Apple's supposed to be an American make. Right. So what would you think? Apple would have their own factory, am I right? Yeah, but they uh, outsource it to no. Bangladesh and uh, to places like that. Maybe even... Uh, Can I tell you? Bolo. Google a company called Foxconn. These guys are the world's largest appliance manufacturers. And they are the guys that make the Apple phone. Apple is just a technology company. They're not a manufacturing company. Technology and retail. Foxconn does, uh, does the actual production. So technically, Apple has shared their technology, everything with Foxconn. To say, yes, guys, you can make this phone yourself. Right? And, and also, it shows the smartness of the Americans. That they, they don't sit with, with uh, let's say, screwdrivers, bolts, and nuts. They will sit with technology. Just, just to give you an idea, uh, you know, Fox, Foxconn does manufacturing for so many manufacturers, right? And uh, I, I think they have uh, something like about a million employees. Now, you know, th th that again shows you how powerful China has become. And, and why I would say China is probably today the engine of the world. Uh, you know, major manufacturers here, even in South Africa, because you've got uh, supply chain issues and you had the COVID in Shanghai and, and China recently, their production in South Africa is affected. They, they, they cannot make cars. If you take your, your premium brands, your let's take your Louis Vuittons, your Mercedes-Benz cars and that, today who are the biggest customers? It's the Chinese. So, you know, that, that's, that's what's happened to the world, where economic power and uh, followed by political power. I mean, the West is trying to impose sanctions against Russia, but India and uh, China are, are, still, are still doing business with Russia. They've got no issues. So that weakens, that weakens uh, you know, the Western sanctions and it actually still strengthens uh, Russia. Mohammed, no, and, and, and they've, they've got a longer history. Yeah, you know, but uh, you know, we're living in a world of a delusion because America, I mean, really speaking, is a bankrupt country. It's a su normal superpower. You America know, is, let's, let's, is is actually imploding from within. It has a president you know, who doesn't know how to know, go even buy a, a maybe you know, a liter of milk. Uh, Mohammed, let, let, let me explain to you something about America. America is damn smart that even if you have. Even if you have a, what can I say? Uh, even even if you if you have a, uh, 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 you know, I, I wouldn't want to be too negative, but let, let, let's let's just say, even if you put your cat as the president, America will still function well, right? Because this, you know, when when you become a president of, you know, we all have our opinions, right? I'll, I'll just tell you something, but believe you me, if you are president, all your opinions will change tomorrow. You here, here you speaking. This, this is your Merkel's opinion. Uh, you know, I, I would always tell a guy. You know, when they argue, I'll say, listen, it's one, it's one thing to give your opinion around a bri at your house. Literally, Europe will freeze. Russia is all about gas. There's a company called Gazprom. How, like once upon a time, South Africa was gold. Russia is literally the powerhouse 
for uh, Europe. And and what's interesting now, you know, historically, no country has won a war against Russia. Think of World War II. You know, uh, the Western leaders will rant and rave that, oh, no, we won the war. We'll fight them on the beaches. We'll do this. We'll do that. All, in fact, I will say in my lingo, mutia, right? Because it was Russia that crippled Hitler's army. And, and Russia suffered the highest number of casualties in World War II. Napoleon, where did he fall? He fell in Russia, right? So anybody going and fighting Russia, think very, very carefully. And people tend to forget now it's summer in Europe and Russia. Winter is coming. And winter is going to be very cold. And to go and fight a war in winter, you know, it's, it's, it's going to take a lot more than what you are doing now. And, and I think that is what Putin is playing for. Let, let's see around about December or so what happens. But slowly but surely, uh, you know, it, it's going to be a very tough one. Politically, the West wouldn't want to have anything to do with Putin at the moment. So how, how and, and, and if you take the Russian currency, the ruble, do you know the ruble has actually strengthened? Their currency has actually Absolutely. gone stronger. Uh, you know, so, many have said that Russia has won the war. I mean, the ruble, he's selling uh, oil to uh, China, he's selling oil to India. Uh, I mean, India, uh, all these guys are buying. And, 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 and Russia is smiling. A discount? Exactly. And, and do you know something? Again, who's, who, uh, the, the famous fast food franchise had to walk away. I've just heard uh, now the latest that KFC is pulling out. Right? You think it affects the Russians? That they don't have McDonald's, they don't have KFC. Uh, Louis Vuitton cannot sell any, any suits. The rich guys will still go and get their Louis Vuitton suits. The, the, the rich guys will still go and get that. In fact, uh, Putin once made a statement that all you rich guys, those of you that drive these fancy Mercedes cars, you know, the Russian mafia has this famous uh, G-Class Mercedes. Whenever I look at a, at a G-Class Mercedes, I always think Russian mafia because that's their standard car, right? And Putin said straight, you guys will get it, only thing you'll pay a little more. So what's changed? And with their currency going stronger, it actually makes it even cheaper for them. So who's really lost out? Yes, that's, that's I mean, the question. I, mean, I tell you, Mohammed, again, you know what? You've been absolutely brilliant and uh, the baraka flows. Time has uh, actually uh, elapsed and uh, you've been, uh, mashallah, and brilliant uh, this evening. Perhaps your parting words uh, before we let you go. You know, my, my, my parting words is going to be something a bit different, something a bit interesting is that as, as younger generations, right, uh, what, what, which way is the world going? And to me, the world is moving towards technology very fast and very different. Uh, your, 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 take your motor cars. Those engines, uh, VW is announcing that they're busy building electric uh, plants uh, or cars that will run on electricity, right? Uh, technology, the post office is history, your banks are history. So many jobs have been taken away, right? But at the same time, there's going to be new jobs. I mean, today, if you want to, uh, if you want to get a meal on your phone, you can tap a few buttons, bang, it's delivered to your door, right? And, and to, to younger people, to smarter people, you've got to embrace technology and you've got to see where you're going to put in in this new technological world, because that is going to be the game changer of the future. That's, that's just basically what my parting words are.
Zakala Khair, uh, Advocate Muhammad. You're welcome. Always a pleasure talking to you. And actually, it's discussing with you that makes things more interesting. No, Alhamdulillah. Thank you. Know. you the golden handshake. Yeah, <laughs> golden handshake and uh, uh, my, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the golden nugget. But there's no gold bars uh, for America in the Treasury. It's all fiat money. But uh, um, uh, Advocate Muhammad, uh, you know, Umar, you have a beautiful evening ahead. I'll talk to you soon. Assalamu alaikum. Thank you very Thank you. Welcome. Salam. The time for us to go to the uh, for the Isha Zan, and inshallah we will continue after that.